to hear from you. Today we're talking about um, a story. We're going to be talking about a story that happens in 2 Kings with the prophet Elisha. And it's the story of a floating axe head of all things. Uh, So today's sermon is called, Have You Lost Your Cutting Edge? Now, the passage I'm going to read in just a moment is uh, from 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. It will, should be up on the screen. Um, of course, get your Bibles out or your, your app, whatever you're using. Follow along if you would like. Now, the story that we're talking about with Elisha, this actually takes place in about 8th century B.C. So this is about 800 years before Christ came along. And in this story, we find two main characters. One is Elisha, the prophet. And the other one is basically a seminary student, okay? So Elisha had been Elijah. You remember that name? You remember that guy? Um, Major prophet from the Old Testament. He had been Elijah's student when Elijah was taken away to heaven in a chariot of fire. Really cool story. We're not going to talk about that one today. uh, But it is a really cool story that you can read in the Old Testament. So Elisha then became Elijah's successor, and God richly blessed his ministry. And, uh, and that lasted about 50 years. So many great miracles and so many great stories came out of Elisha's ministry. So in this text, then we find this idea that there are some students needing a bigger place to meet. And Elisha sends them out uh, on a mission that he goes with them anyway. We'll go ahead and take a look at that passage now. It's from 2 Kings Chapter 6, reading verses 1 through 7. Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, and each of us, when we get there, will get a log and make us a place for us to dwell. And he answered, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants, which was a fancy way of saying, Hey, why don't you come with us? And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, he cut off a stick, threw it in there, and made the iron float. And he said, Take it up. So he reached out his hand and took it. Won't you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word to us today, the miracles, and we are reminded of how you have had your hand upon your people for all time. And Father, today we just pray that our hearts and minds will be open as we stop and think about um, this story, how it applies to us, and as we ask ourselves the question today, help us to go deeper. And when we ask, have we lost our cutting edge? Have we ceased to be the effective tool that you called us to be. And Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity today to to get together virtually. And Lord, we just pray that you would bless this time and that your word would speak and your spirit would move among us wherever we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So again, we've got these basically seminary students. They're all studying under Elisha because they're, they're seeking to be leaders, spiritual leaders. And so they've been studying and working. And, and basically their, their number, this company of prophets-to-be, has grown so much that they've run out of space. It's like the dormitory is full. 
don't know if you can relate to that or not, but I know when I first went off to college, Eastern Kentucky University at the time um, was overwhelmed in the first, first semester, and so they took a bunch of freshmen, and in dorm rooms that were built for two people, they stuck three people in there, and I was one of those guys. So I can understand what it means to not have enough room in your dormitory. Uh, so these guys didn't like it. They didn't want to be tripled up, so they decided, okay, I'll tell you what, we're going to go out, we're going to build some places for us. So we're going to go down to the river, down to the Jordan River, where there are lots of trees around, and, and uh, we, we want to get some wood, and, and we want to build a bigger place for us, builder. Build a bigger dormitory, right? So anyway, Elisha says, okay, it's a good idea. Go and and be well. And they said, hey, listen, why don't you come with us? Now, Elisha was getting on in age, and I don't think they expected Elisha to to chop down a tree or do much of the work, but I think they just felt better having their mentor there uh, so he could oversee everything that was going on. So Elisha, you know, he thought they were true enough to handle the project, but Still, he agreed, and he went with them down to the river. And it was a good thing that happened, because while everyone was there doing their part, everybody's chopping down the trees, they're out there getting their poles, you know, for this big dormitory expansion, uh, one of the students in particular is going to town when he loses his axe head. Now, I can't imagine, you know, obviously I've got some, some props here, and uh, here's a nice big double-bladed axe. I really haven't used this one in a while. I don't know how sharp it is. But um, anyway, I'm pretty sure the axe they were using was nothing like this. However, it was similar in that it was an iron axe head sitting on a, a wooden pole that was tied in there, strapped on. But I guess somewhere he got a little crazy. Maybe he didn't have a lot of experience chopping wood. And, and, and maybe he hit the, the strappings or something on the wood. And uh, the axe head, I can see, kind of leans it back and it flies off and flies into the river. Now he's literally up the creek because this axe, well, it was not his. It was borrowed. Now, again, you've got to remember when this time, this time frame, again, we're 800 years before Christ. They did have tools, uh, but they were hard to come by and probably fairly expensive to get a hold of. So the chances are you've got this seminary student, probably a pretty poor seminary student because he's putting all his efforts into to education and, and growing in, in knowledge and wisdom and certainly growing spiritually as well. And so he had to go borrow this axe. And here they are going to town and this axe head flies in the river. So now what's he going to do? So he goes to Elijah and he said, uh, you know, he tells them the story. So Elijah, without hesitation, he says, okay, show me where the axe falls into the river. And he said, you know, he takes some river and says, right over here. So Elisha grabs a stick, cuts it off, throws a stick in the water, and when he does, the axe head floats. And I don't know if any of you are physics students, but I'm pretty sure that is not supposed to happen. And the fact of throwing a stick in the water has nothing to do with what brought the axe head to the top of the water. And so the axe head floats. Elisha says, get it. Student does, he's back in business as he puts his axe together and he goes about getting his portion, his tree. So think about this for a moment. You got the student, he's working, he's trying to work. Boom, the axe head flies away. Now suddenly he's lost his effectiveness. Um, I don't know how many of you have spent time cutting wood, but it is important. If you're cutting wood, especially if you're using an axe, now my guess is that most of you modern men use chainsaws, right? But if you have to get the axe out, it's important that you have an axe head, first of all. Otherwise, you're just flailing about with a big stick. And if you take a stick and beat it against a tree, not much happens except your hands get really sore. 
But even when you do have an axe head, it's important that that axe head not be dull because um, it makes a huge difference when you've got a sharpened axe head versus when you have a dull one. Now, think about that in your own life. Have you ever lost your effectiveness? Have you ever been in the place where you felt like that you've lost your cutting edge? Maybe there was a time for you when the chips were flying everywhere and you were knocking down tree after tree and you were building the kingdom of God and everything was going great and then something happens, an event, some issue takes place. Maybe it was something in your family. Maybe it was something at work. But there was some life event. Something changed. Something was different. And then suddenly you begin to lose your effectiveness. Or maybe you realize that, you know, you've, you've had the tools all along. You've had that, the tools there, but, you know, you just didn't do much with it. You kind of carried it around looked at it every now and then, but you never ever once put it into wood or did what it was designed to do. You know, if that's the case, then obviously you've lost your cutting edge and we need to ask God to help us get it back. You see, when we become a Christian, when we give our life to Jesus Christ, God, through the Holy Spirit, gives us the tools that we need and we've talked about that before, how God supplies exactly what we need to get the job done. And I really think there are a few things that this passage can teach us about how we get our cutting edge back. You know, the first thing, if we've lost our cutting edge, the first thing that we need to be able to do is admit it, right? So the younger student had to admit that he no longer had an axe head. He no longer had his edge. He was busy working for the Lord, but suddenly when he finds himself no longer being effective at it, he has to say, hang on just a minute, I can still beat this log with this stick, but I'm not going to get anywhere. i got to admit, I've lost my cutting edge. So he had to admit he had the problem. And you know, for us today, and pretty much most anything, I think that is a difficult place to be. We have a hard time admitting it. You know, for folks who have difficulty or who have found themselves addicted to alcohol and they go to AA, what's the first step for someone who goes to AA? They have to admit they're an alcoholic. You have to stay in front of the group. I'm Joe. I'm an alcoholic. I mean, unless your name's not Joe, of course. But, but anyway, I'm an alcoholic. You know, that's the first step. You know, for us as followers of Christ, we have to say, I'm Brian and I've lost my cutting edge or you know, fill in the blank, whatever your name is. You have to be able to admit, I'm not being as effective as God wants me to be, as God has called me to be. So admitting your problem, or there is a problem, that we've lost that cutting edge. You know, excuses are a dime a dozen, but they're so easy to come by, and yet it seems like for many of us, we don't have a problem throwing out those excuses. Um, I found this list is really quite interesting. This was... These were actual excuses uh, that came from reports from insurance forms. Someone has an accident, and they have to fill out the form to, for their insurance. Uh, these were actual excuses. Here's one that says, Coming home, I drove into the wrong house and collided with a tree. Here's another one that says, I collided with a stationary truck coming the other way. Go figure that out. The guy was all over the road. I had to swerve several times before I hit him. 
I like this one. My car was legally parked as it backed into the other vehicle. The pedestrian had no idea which way to go, so I ran over him. (laughs) The indirect cause of the accident was the little guy in a small car with a big mouth. (laughs) I was attempting to swerve out of the path of the telephone pole when it struck me. These are actual excuses. And and as we laugh, and and they seem kind of silly, but yet sometimes the excuses that we come up with for not being effective and not being about the business of God, not being about serving Him like He's called us to, sometimes our excuses are akin to some of these silly ones. Again, admission is our first step. But there's something else that happens when we admit there's an issue, when we admit that our cutting edge is gone, that it's not what it's supposed to be. It begins a healing process. Because you see, when we're not effective, when we're not exercising our cutting edge, it means that something's broken. Because we're not operating the way that God has called us to, especially, again, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're called to serve. And if you're not being effective and you've lost that cutting edge, there's a reason. There's a reason that that's happened. So admission becomes the first step in this healing process. Now let's go back to our story. This student, he could have reacted in a lot of other ways. First of all, he could have been happy. Yeah, he could have been happy because he could have said, oh, well, I don't have an ax anymore. He goes, "Hmm, oh, well, I guess this is a good reason for me to stop working altogether. You know, he could have found a nice spot in the shade, kicked back against a tree that someone hadn't cut down yet, you know, had a nice cool glass of lemonade, whatever, you know, whatever it was. And just taking it easy the rest of the day. But we know that the work wouldn't continue. Or he could have just refused to admit that he lost the axe head at all. He said, you know, what problem? I don't have a problem. Right? There's no problem here. And he could have just kept swinging that stick. Going through the motions. But accomplishing nothing. The axe was borrowed. You know, again, this is a safe assumption because, as I said earlier, it's expensive um, that, that someone had loaned them the axe, then more, likely he would have, more than likely he would have probably been expected to work it off, to pay it back. Um, so, so, again, that was something that he was not ready to face, more than likely. So all of our abilities, our resources, our talents, like that axe, all of them are borrowed. You know, what we have is all on loan from God, and he's not given us permission to stop using what he has given us. Instead, he gives us what we need to get the job done. For the mission at head, God fulfills us. He, he qualifies us, even though we might feel completely unqualified. The mission that he has called us to do, he will give us what we need to get it done. But we've got to make sure that our uh, edge, our cutting edge, is sharp. Another thing about losing our cutting edge is that we, it's helpful for us, and it's also part of that healing process, once we've admitted it, take a look back and determine where it was that we lost our cutting edge. I think about like this. Have you ever misplaced something? Hmm. Anybody ever misplaced their car keys? And you look for them everywhere, and you find that you're still in the ignition? <clears throat> or, you know, you're just like, ah, oh, what did I do with them? And, and amazingly enough, they're exactly the last place you put them, if you just have to remember where that was. And and matter of fact, when we start looking for our keys or whatever it is we lost, we start thinking, okay, where was the last place I remembered having it? And then we try to go through the motions. But I don't know about you, but I've found that the older I get, I forget why I walked into a room in the first place. 
<clears throat> Why did I come in here? You know, there are lots of distractions going on at my house. Um, maybe yours too. Uh, and some of those distractions might just be because I'm older and maybe I don't care. I don't know. But anyway, uh, we have to ask that question. So Elisa asked the same question of the student. Basically, when did you lose your cutting edge? Where did it fall? Where did the axe head go off into the river? Best way to find something, remember where we had it last. And again, we're all forgetful at times. It's, it's like the man who said, you know, I have trouble remembering three things. Names, faces, and I can't remember the other one. You know, the student didn't plan to misplace his cutting edge, but it happened. It just happened. And, and often it's the same way with us, isn't it? You know, it was important that he remember where he lost it. He needed to trace, him, trace his steps back and know where he lost that cutting edge. You know, for us, somewhere along the road, we often lose our contributions to building up God's kingdom. And we don't plan for it to happen. We don't go, you know, yeah, I think when I get to this point, I'm just going to stop altogether. Um, but, you know, even in the New Testament, something, simpler, something similar happened to Peter. Do you remember the story of how Peter and Jesus were talking about when he got to the end? Now, Jesus was talking about when he was headed off to be crucified and how that Peter would deny him. And what did Peter do? He said, no way, I'll never do that, Lord. You know, Peter, he of foot and mouth in disease, would often speak his mind. And, of course, he didn't think through this one at all. He loved Jesus, and, and he knew that he would do anything for him. So he thought. Peter, you know, before the rooster crows in the morning, you'll have denied me three times. No way, Lord, I will never do that. But when the chips were down, we know that in that moment, Peter lost his cutting edge, and he denied Jesus. So we need to admit it. We need to determine where we lost it. And then we need to think about why it was that we lost our cutting edge. You know, was it because we... Stopped attending worship services on a regular basis? Well, you know, this one, I guess you could say, stopped live streaming worship services on a regular basis, or I stopped meeting together, even virtually. Um, and I know that many of you are anxious, as well, most of us are anxious to get back to the point where we can start meeting in the same building together as a faith family. Just, you know, very exciting times are coming. Um, but maybe you lost it because you got angry with someone, or maybe you got jealous of someone. Or was it because you stopped praying or reading God's Word on a regular basis? You know, we are like cups. And to be filled, we've got to put something in there. We can have a cup, and once we pour it out, once we give out of ourselves, if we're not doing anything to fill ourselves back up, then we are effectively losing our cutting edge. Is it because you, you failed to witness to someone? You were given an opportunity and you didn't do it? Is it because personal sin has become entangled in your life so greatly uh, that it's like weeds springing in and just choking out the very life that God has granted you with? Or is it because you've simply not been giving Him a portion of your talents and your resources? You know, if you've got the courage to take a deep and serious look, then I think what's really going to happen is you're going to discover where and why you lost your cutting edge. You know, it might be because you just simply haven't given God the time of day. Now, the thing about it is I hope that during this quarantine that 
followers of Christ are, are using if you've got a little extra time. Now, some of you, some folks I know are talking about, they have all kinds of extra time and all these great projects are getting done around the house. And, and men, let's face it, those honeydew lists, well, I'll get to it when I have time, honey. Guess what? If you're home, you've got all the time in the world. So you've probably been checking off that honeydew list, right? Um, but for those of you, and not all of us, but for those of you who feel like that this time has given you extra time, to get things done, I hope that you're making sure you maybe take a little extra time in getting into God's Word and reading and studying and working on your spiritual relationship, growing in Jesus Christ. And the thing about it is that when we realize we've lost our cutting edge, we admit it, we determine, and then we kind of figure out why we've lost it. Now, we can't just leave it there. You know, okay, I figured out all that stuff, right? Pastor Brian said, I need to know all this, right? And once we figure it out, then what are you going to do? Then you've got to do your part to get it back. Interesting part about this story with the axe head. And Elisha threw the stick into the water, and the axe head floated up to the top. There it was. It was attainable. It was retrievable. But the seminary student, this follower, he still had to reach into the water and pull the axe head out. It required action on his part, and it was going to require him also to kind of put his axe back together. Now, again, Elisha wasn't a magician. The power to perform miracles was not his own, but this was power from God. You see, God is deeply concerned about you as an individual. We have this entire company of prophets, but God took the time to help this one that had a very specific problem. God is concerned about us on an individual basis. And you see, we see that in Jesus' teaching about the lost sheep. If you remember that, we're all the sheep, but we're missing one. And so he goes out, and and there's that parable, that story. He goes out and finds the one sheep. He leaves the 99 to get the one. The same thing with the parable of the lost coin and and the lost son. You know, the, the story of the prodigal son. No problem is too small to bring to God's attention. And I think sometimes we as Christians get in this mindset of, oh, that's just a little thing. I don't need to bother God with that. I'll work it out. I'll figure it out. But God wants us to bring all of our stuff, no matter how big or how small, to Him. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, cast all your cares. It doesn't say cast your big cares. Cast your medium-sized cares. It says cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. Do you have a problem or a concern today? And if you do, have you cast that problem upon God? Have you laid it at His feet? Have you brought it to the throne? You see, God will help you to solve your problems that in turn will return honor and glory back to God. You know, He will cause the solution to float to the surface. But you've got to bring it to Him. You see, God could have made that axe head just fly out of the water. He could have brought the axe head right back on the stick, and da-da-da, it was ready to go again. No, he didn't. Why? Because it required some action from that young man who had to reach out, maybe even wade out into the water a little bit and get wet, grab that axe head, bring it back, and then put it back together, and then get back to work. But it required action on his part. God will take care of us, but it means that we have to do our part in the picture because it's too easy. If God just makes things happen, then what's our part in it? 
You see, it requires us to trust God. We need to bring it to Him. Do you trust Him to bring you the answer to your questions? Do you trust Him to help you find your cutting edge? But then also to do your part. We've got to have our part in our recovery. The student had to do something. We have to do something. But it's going to be up to us to figure out exactly what that looks like. Again, going back through the steps of Figuring out first that you've lost your cutting edge, second, where you lost it, and and then determining why you lost it so that we can regain and get back what it is that God would have us be doing. So take a serious look at your cutting edge. Take a serious look in doing God's kingdom work. Have you adopted the motto of the world and how you approach it all? And are you thinking, what can the church do for me? Because that's backwards thinking. You know, and for too many Christians, they look at a church as a place to be served rather than a place to serve. And again, when I'm talking about church, I'm talking about the faith family that we have gathered here. So if, and although we miss our fellowship and miss our faith family, how important is it that we have that fellowship, why so we can minister and support one another. Um, I hope that you've been doing your part during all this to try to reach out to folks that you are uh, in, you know, know that are in need or know that uh, you might have some issues. And let's face it, we're not always great about sharing stuff. You know, a lot of times we, we've got stuff going on in our lives. Maybe there's a health issue. Maybe we have a concern that's causing us great mental consternation, you know, we've got something going on and we're distressed about it, we're stressing out, we've got some anxiety, all of these things are happening, but you know, it's like, yeah, it's okay, I don't want to bother people, I don't want anybody to know, it'll be all right, and so we kind of work it out ourselves, and quite frankly, that's a pride issue, but understand that God wants us to be able to share God wants us to gather around and support one another. And so it's important that when we can admit the things that are going on and talk about the things that are bothering us and and talk about the issues of why we lost our cutting edge, it's important that we can do that uh, with our faith family, someone that you trust, someone that you appreciate, someone that you know will pray for you and support you and encourage you. You see, we're supposed to be here for each other. That's a part of our ministry within a faith family. It's not about just showing up, sitting down and going, man, that musical's pretty good today. Or, well, that sermon kind of missed the mark for me today. Or whatever it is, we're not just sitting here critiquing everything that's going on or... Man, I didn't get one of those biscuits today because they were all gone. I guess I'm going to have to get here earlier next time. So it's not about the food or the coffee or anything else either. You know, it's about what we can do, what we bring to the table. How sharp is your cutting edge? Because, you know, if you're going to go out there and knock down a bunch of trees with a bunch of hand axes, it's a whole lot better when you've got a bunch of folks showing up to get to work, right? If you're out there trying to do it on your own, it's going to take you a whole lot longer. So we pull together, we work together, we minister together, we support one another. So that's why I encourage you, you know, if there's something going on, don't be afraid to share. Uh, I try to, every once in a while, touch base with with all of our families and all of our folks. And, And so, unfortunately, I know that our information, our contact information is not complete. And quite frankly, some of you are terrible about answering texts and emails. 
But I'm still trying to get that information out there, try to touch base with everyone, um, and you know, try to pray for, for everyone in our church family. So if, I don't, if, you, if you're watching this and you got missed, make sure that we get your information, and I'll hit your next go-around. But I like to pray over everyone. And when I send a note or message, if you've received one, you know I always say, is there anything I can pray for you about? Most people are good, but some of you do say, hey, this is going on, this is going on. You know, and that's what needs to happen. We need to be able to share those things with the pastor, with our friends, with the people that we, are, we know in our faith family, other believers, so that we can support and encourage one another. So again, it's important. But I know, it's like, oh, it's a little thing. I don't want anybody to be concerned. But again, God cares for you deeply. God wants to lift you up. He wants to keep his hand upon you. And he wants to put other people who are serving him, being ambassadors for Christ, in your path so that they also can lift you up and minister to you. Now, I'm not saying that we, uh, that we every week have something going on and we want to you know, stand up and share that with everybody. But I'm just saying let's not discount the fact that we are here for each other. Um, you know what I mean? I, I think that sometimes we just, because we don't want to be a bother. I'm, I'm the same way. I've got that same issue. I don't want to be a bother. It's going to be fun. God's going to take care of me, right? But here's the flip side of that. If you don't bring your issues and don't share those things, then you deny someone a blessing because it's a blessing to be able to pray for folks. It's a blessing to talk to people about what's going on in their life. It's a blessing to be able to support and encourage someone else. And if you keep those things to yourself, you're denying someone a blessing because they don't know or they're not given a chance to talk to you, to share with you, and to encourage and pray with you and just you know, take your troubles to the throne of Christ on your behalf. Remember, don't deny someone a blessing. So don't be afraid. Get over that pride thing. It's okay. And, and no, we're not going to see you as, as a whiny hiney. It's okay. Uh, if you've got stuff going on, we want to talk about it. All right? Let's not be afraid to bring it out there. Let's not be afraid to talk to one another and help each other and encourage one another. Again, it's so easy to get wrapped up in what's going on at church and think, why am I here? Why am I at this church? What can they do for me? You know, there are, there are churches who are much larger than One Hope who have some awesome programs. And programs are great, and they're, they're great opportunities to reach out and to minister. But if you're, you're going to a specific congregation, a specific church family, just because what programs they have for you and your family, you're kind of missing the bigger picture. The idea is, what can I do? How can I get plugged in? How can I serve? Um, I know for me, if I'm not doing something, I, I have a hard time just sitting still and doing nothing. Uh, I, I need to be doing something. You know, back in my past, there was a time I pastored a church in Louisville, and the church came under some uh, financial difficulty, and I realized that one of the things that the church is going to have to do is... is figure things out, and I tried to lead them in a certain direction. Um, that didn't happen. I ended up deciding that it was going to be best for me to step down as pastor, only because that meant they, had to stop. they didn't have to pay me any longer, and uh, then the church was going to kind of be forced to go ahead and make a decision of what they were going to do just to be able to keep the doors open. I was trying to lead that church to merge with a larger church. They rejected that, or I say they, some of them voted for it, but when it came down to the vote, uh, the vote did not pass. It was close, but it did not pass. 
Uh, and so, um, so it didn't happen in any way. Um, so, so like I said, I, I stepped away. And so I started attending another church, actually a very large church in Louisville. And, and uh, it was time, it was good for me to take a couple of weeks to sit back and, and do nothing. But then I realized after a couple of weeks that maybe I needed some more time of healing. But I realized after a couple of weeks, I can't sit here. So I was you know, going up to the worship pastor whom I'd met and said, Hey, I noticed you uh, don't have an acoustic guitar player on Wednesday nights. And so next thing you know, a couple of weeks later, I was in the Sunday rotation and playing up on the platform and helping lead worship every Sunday. So uh, again, I couldn't sit and do nothing. I hope that God impresses upon you that it's important to not sit and do nothing. You know, we all are part of the body of Christ, and we all have a function, just like our body has fingers and toes and eyes and noses, and well, hopefully just have one nose. But anyway, uh, we are all called to do our part. And if we're called to do that part in this particular body, and yet we show up and we sit and do nothing, then obviously we're not using our cutting edge. We may be very sharp, but effectively it's as if we are dull because we're doing nothing. We need to make sure that we're back in the business of serving God, of seeking His direction, and holding on to our cutting edge so that we can effectively be chopping down the trees that are in our way, the obstacles to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And then finally this morning, we need to make sure that we check our edge regularly. We need to kind of do a spiritual inventory. You know, How many of us here think that we might need to or out there might need to make some kind of adjustment. I think we always need to be on the mind. I know that I have to check myself on a regular basis. Am I doing what God calls me to do? I am raising my hand, as you should be probably raising yours out there, right? How many of us need an adjustment on our cutting edge? I know that I have to make sure that mine stays sharp. And little things can get in your way and kind of dull your edge. So in what shape are your spiritual tools? You've heard that statement, not the sharpest tool in the shed, right? Well, we need to make sure that our sharp, our edge stays sharp for Christ, that we're not getting dull, that we're not losing our axe head or have already lost it. We need to check out our cutting edge. Make sure everything is okay in your relationship with the Lord. Make sure that you're not just out there swinging away with a wooden stick because, well, that's pretty worthless, right? If you're a Christian, God wants you to be effective for him, that he gets the glory for it, and we see kingdom increase. God has a great plan. Uh, he has a great plan for you. I believe he has a great plan for one hope. I believe he has a great plan for this community. And seeing the good news of Jesus Christ spread, and more and more people coming to know him, giving their lives to him. And, make, and it might be that there are lots of folks out there who have drifted away, and they just need a good sharpening. And they need to get their cutting edge back and come back and get to work. And I believe that God has a great plan for all of us. I hope this morning that this message has been meaningful to you. And it's been a good reminder to keep your edge sharp. To make sure that you're doing your very best to keep that cutting edge so God gets the glory. Well, I'm very excited um, about where we are right now because with the way things that are happening out there in the quarantine, kind of life is beginning to circulate and percolate and get back to things happening. And so next Sunday, May the 24th, on the next week, that's when we're going to 
give it a shot of coming back and meeting together as a church family. And we, we put all the kind of the, the list of all the things that we're expecting to do to, to make sure that we are safe and that we follow the, the, the safe guideline procedures of meeting again. So that's out there on Facebook. But first, let me say this. I know that uh, this, this whole thing has been scary for a lot of people, especially people who find themselves in a, a higher risk category because they already had some respiratory issues or, or some other things like that going on. And, and I want you to know, first and foremost, if you're not comfortable, then by all means, stay home. We do not want to push that on anyone, and we don't want you to rush back into anything if you don't feel you're ready for it, and it's okay. It's not a problem. We know that there are some folks that, that need to, and that's what needs to happen. But if you're ready, uh, here in the uh, worship center, we're going to have our chairs spaced out so we can social distance. You can still sit with your families, uh, but we're going to spread out so that our space is in here. We're going to ask that you, again, as you come into the building, that you kind of space out and keep your distance and no hugging, no handshaking. I know that's going to be really hard for some folks. I visited some people this week and they say, you know, I may just have to sneak in the back and sneak back out because I'm going to want to hug everybody. You know, so, so I get that may be one of the most difficult parts of all this, but we're going to refrain from that right now. And, and yes, I know this, is, this part's really heartbreaking, but there's not going to be coffee or food. And that means none of those little breakfast biscuit things, you know, that are so yummy. So, so we're not going to be doing that for a while. We're going to take it easy as we ease back into things. But you're welcome to bring uh, your coffee with you. Bring your little travel mug, your little one-hole travel mug. If you got one, you know, you're welcome to do that. Bring your coffee with you. Um, you can bring a sandwich. Just make sure you eat in the parking lot because I may want to take it from you if I'm hungry. So, so that's fine. Um, again, there'll be plenty of hand sanitizer. We'll have some masks. If you prefer to have a mask and you forget yours, you're welcome to bring it. It's whatever. Again, it's whatever makes you feel comfortable for getting back together. But we're going to do our very best. We're going to have some folks come in, wipe everything down this week, separate the chairs. We're going to put some spacers on the floor. Again, this is just a reminder because you've seen it everywhere else and you, you need to see it again, I guess, what six feet looks like. And so we'll see all, we'll see all that starting next week. But we're just so excited to be able to begin this process of getting back to normal, whatever normal really is. Of course, we won't have any children's church or nurse or anything like that. Uh, we'll probably look at beginning that when, when daycares begin opening back up in the state and all those stuff. Hopefully within a few weeks, we'll begin implementing some of those things as well. But again, along the way, we want you to be safe. Oh, and of course, if you're sick, by all means, stay home. Um, check your temperature. Make sure you're not running fever or whatever. Uh, again, we don't want you to be susceptible, and also, you know, if you've got stuff, we just soon keep that to yourself. So anyway, we, again, we want to be safe, but we're very excited about being able to, to come back and worship here beginning next week. Now, we are going to continue to live stream for those who choose to stay home. We are going to continue, and we hope to continue to do that from here on out, even when everything's pretty clear and, and we begin meeting back together and put the chairs back together and do the hugging and handshaking and all that stuff, too. So... Anyway, um, oh, and then something else that's pretty exciting that I know that many of you have been waiting for and looking for, um, not next week, but then the following week after that, we are going to uh, start a new musicology series. I know that many of you who've been at One Hope over the past years, it was kind of a regular feature, a fun little thing that we have done. And uh, I know it didn't happen last year, or maybe in the last couple of years, but we're going to start that again this year. And uh, so in case you're not familiar with that, for some of you new folks, 
uh, musicology basically takes a song title or a song and uses the name, the title of that song, and, and maybe even some of the lyrics, and most of the songs are all going to be secular songs, um, uh, but the sermon actually comes from that song title and maybe even some of the lyrics within that song. And the weekenders up here, we're going to be up here and we're going to give it our best shot to, to do that song for you. Now, it may not sound just like George Strait. It may not sound just like Foreigner, but I'm just telling you that we're going to give it our best shot. We'll give it a go. We want to have some fun with that because you know what? In case you were told differently, Christians can have fun. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> so again, we're excited about all the things that God is doing and as we look forward to, to being able to get back together and meet here. Let's have a word of prayer and then we're going to end our session here today. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing, what you've already done. Lord, I pray this morning that our hearts and minds are moved, we are turned to you and we are reminded about the importance of keeping our cutting edge. Lord, we know that you are in control and we want to be faithful to you so that we can uh, express our love to you by sharing the good news of, of doing the work that you've called us to do and be about serving you, Father, because it all comes back to you. Lord, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to, to share this word today and to reflect upon all that, that we can do so that you get the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you here in this building next week.